You're listening to the Empowered Divorce Podcast, where women support women who have experienced betrayal trauma and abuse and are now facing divorce. Here, you'll learn tools and concepts to help guide your journey from a place of empowerment by trusting yourself and becoming the chooser in your life. I'm your host, Amy Woolsey. Thanks for joining. Hello, hello, my amazing, beautiful listeners. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining me. I hope the last several episodes, as we've been talking about different experiences, different dynamics around abusive behavior and communication, that it's been helpful for you, informational for you, that it's helped you gain more awareness to perhaps a language to describe what you have experienced. One of the things that that honestly really helped me in my own personal healing journey is when I started to understand exactly what was happening when I had a better language to describe what my body knew had happened, I just cognitively didn't have the words to put to it. And as you've heard me mention before, especially with the work of my colleague Hope Ray, there were a lot of terms, definitions, and descriptions of what I experienced. And I'm finding that a lot of my clients are having the same response, that their body is also just going, oh my gosh, that's it. That's what happened. This is really why I specialize in supporting women going through divorce who experience betrayal, trauma, and abuse because it really is a different language, really is a different experience in your body. And so healing also is a little bit different. Yes, there's some basic principles, but today I'm going to share something that I've been working on since I discovered the incredible new language published by Hope Ray. She created the term partner adaptive bonding cycle. And I just want to read you the definition of that. I don't think we mentioned that in the two episodes that she and I recorded together, but we were talking about betrayal violence and partner adaptive bonding cycle is a way in which you continue to bond to your partner in that relationship without being fully aware of the endangerment that you were in. So as I've been studying this concept, I realized that there is a huge definition and language here to be identified around partners who have divorced and are still experiencing this adaptive bonding cycle. This was really intriguing to me because up until now, most clinicians have been pathologizing this under the term of trauma bonding. And as there are also, and as there are also a lot of cases where this definitely is showing up in partners post-divorce because of the betrayal violence piece, because there is still a sense of endangerment as divorced partners still do not have full disclosure from their partners acting out behaviors, right, in that relationship, that this needed to be identified and given a language as well. So I have been working on this and I believe that the post-divorce adaptive bonding cycle model is absolutely a term that we can use as professionals to better help and support clients, as well as helping you who have been divorced due to betrayal violence in your relationships to really help you better understand these behaviors and how they're showing up. And as you become more aware of them, you can start to really heal and be able to move forward. I am working on the post-divorce adaptive bonding cycle self-paced course around this model that will really dive deeper into the awareness of this model and walk you through how to practice accepting the different ways that this might be still showing up for you and also helping you navigate steps forward to 
practice different behaviors to really heal from this. I wanted to briefly give you some pieces to chew on today and just digest because this can be a lot to wrap your head around. The reason I feel this is so important for divorce betrayed partners, as well as professionals who support betrayed partners to really understand is that when you have that clear awareness of what you experienced and are still experiencing, then you are better able to practice acceptance, which empowers you to choose differently if you want. Okay, first, I want to recap betrayal violence. So this term betrayal violence occurs in your committed relationship, right? When you were married, where violations of fidelity by your partner took place outside of your awareness. And then they deliberately deceived you about their ongoing behaviors by the use of power and control. Betrayal violence is characterized, she has it characterized in three concurrent modes of conduct. And this happened when your ex, number one, maintained that committed relationship with you. Number two, he secretly and repeatedly violated the fidelity of your committed relationship. And then number three, he used abusive behaviors and communication to keep you from being aware of his fidelity violations. Now, the abusive behavior and communication is also defined as when they were deceptive, persuasive, or exploitive words, actions that he used to deliberately restrain you from becoming aware of those fidelity violations. And they did so because they wanted to avoid the consequences of their secret behavior. They wanted to promote this normal relationship, keep things functioning normal in this committed relationship with you, despite all the abnormal conditions that were really being hidden from you. And that's where you were in endangerment. So this is interesting because when I'm working with my clients who are in the relationship, they're trying to work on it. You know, he's working recovery. She's working healing her own recovery work. And healing practices are being attempted. The definition of partner adaptive bonding cycle is really important to help the betrayed partner understand because it helps to recognize why her wife's femininity is out of whack. And that's that vulnerability, sensitivity, and intuition, right? And so giving her this language really helps her understand why she continued to invest in that relationship when maybe everything inside of her was telling her to stop. Where this post-divorce, I'm just going to call it post-divorce ABC, adaptive bonding cycle. So now when a lot of these partners whose story leads to divorce and they don't have full disclosure of all of the acting out behaviors that were happening in their relationship. Now they're trying to find closure without disclosure. And in large part due to their partner's ABC cycle in the relationship and without the ability to have full awareness of what their reality was like without full disclosure, this is where I see the post-divorce ABC still happening. I've developed that sub-model off of what Hope Ray started. So today I'm going to go through those basic key points of the post-divorce ABC, and then I'm going to offer some examples of how I see this showing up. My hope for today's episode is that your body will feel the language validation to what it has possibly experienced and still experiencing. Awareness leads to acceptance which leads to agency, choice, empowerment. And that's what we're doing here today is just 
gaining awareness. Okay, I want to explain the difference between post-divorce ABC and trauma bonding because even myself, right? I and that's, This is why this language is so important to me because even earlier in my coaching years, trauma bonding is the only language that we had to really explain this dynamic, just like there is a difference in the language of betrayal violence and betrayal trauma, right? Betrayal trauma can be a traumatic experience that someone can have from family members, from an organization, a religion, work, caregivers. You can experience betrayal in all of these different, in all of these different scenarios. And Hope used the imagery of the of this umbrella when we're talking about this. Betrayal trauma is like the umbrella, and then there's all these different ways in which you can experience betrayal trauma under the umbrella. Well, trauma bonding can also be the umbrella, and then it manifests in various contexts underneath it because it also is not exclusive to intimate partner relationships, just like betrayal trauma isn't exclusive to intimate partner relationships either. Just like the case of Elizabeth Smart, right? Trauma bonding can happen in kidnapping, human trafficking, cults. There is a strong emotional connection with the abuser or capture because of the complexity, interplay of fear, loyalty, that survival instinct, and then just just a shitload of psychological manipulations, right? But yes, it can also be experienced in intimate partner relationships, just like betrayal trauma. This post-divorce ABC is really tailored to those who have experienced betrayal violence in their marriage. Both are complex emotional dynamics, right, that have been developed because of abusive situations. Okay, so let's make this a little bit more tangible. The first key component that I see show up in the post-divorce ABC is that there's an attachment to unresolved issues that happened in the relationship. So a lot of that trauma, when things just haven't really been completed, tidied up, restored, acknowledged, or any such accountability, then you can become attached to those unresolved things and trying to get them resolved. It's hard to really close the book on some things when there are all those unknowns of the sexual behaviors from your partner. So there's this part of you that's still trying to resolve those issues. Another way that this can show up is all of the emotional complexity, where despite the divorce, I've seen partners get really entangled in those lingering emotional attachments. And that just brings so much more complexity after divorce. This can really show up when you have that mixture of positive memories, right? Your brain is still trying to make sense of all of those positive memories that that you did have, but now you're really wondering, was that really a positive experience? Was that really a positive memory? Because you think or might have a little bit of information as to how your partner was behaving during that, during that positive experience for you. So now it can be really confusing on whether or not you attach. Do I stay attached to this positive memory that we had? Let's say we went on a trip. Do I stay attached to this positive memory that we had on the trip? Or do I change that, which is really hard. That was a cellular experience, right? It created a neural pathway. You felt it in your body, but now there's all this emotional confusion around that positive memory. Really complex. Another way is fear of change. Now, this type of fear of change is, I think, a really pivotal aspect of the post-divorce ABC. 
particularly for individuals who have endured betrayal and abuse in their marriage, because this is centered around the notion that the ex-partner might somehow undergo this profound transformation and have a miraculous change all of a sudden after divorce. I hear this show up when women will say, and I totally remember thinking this, like, but what if we divorce and then all of a sudden he changes and then I miss out? And what typically happens is that they get divorced and they do see a change, especially if they do get remarried. And it looks from the outside looking in that there's been this miraculous change. But the truth is, if work specifically has not been done, the same work that you were fighting to get them to do in the marriage, and that isn't a quick fix, right? But when the outside appearance looks like change, then it can confuse the hell out of us. But really, the key component here is when you start to question your past perceptions that you had with your ex-partner and whether or not they were accurate and compared to what you're you're seeing post-divorce. Okay, another key component is this continued investment. Now, this continued investment persists even after the divorce is legally finalized. This is when you continue to emotionally invest, psychologically, mentally, spiritually. And I've even seen this show up with continued physical investment in certain dynamics. I've explained this before using the term picking up the rope or untying the rope where perhaps you're still spiritually investing by focusing on their spiritual worthiness, especially if they are portraying a certain spirituality and you're seeing people believe this spirituality that they have, you can continue to invest in the relationship and be in that bonding cycle because you are trying to prove that they're not as spiritual as maybe they're saying, or you're trying to maybe Decipher for yourself, are they really spiritual? It looks like other people think they are. Maybe I'm the one that's wrong. You can experience this on different ends of the pendulum here. Maybe you're trying to invest mentally, meaning you're explaining, you're finding yourself explaining over and over and over. No, this is what you're doing. No, this is how you're showing up, right? You're spending time mentally where you don't need to spend that time mentally anymore with your ex. And I think this is really hard to do when you have experienced betrayal when a lot of you have tried to make their relationship work. A lot of you have been to therapist after therapist after therapist, practicing tools, utilizing tools, trying to communicate. You have invested so much into saving this relationship. And now post-divorce, you're still showing up this way. And it gets tricky because I think a lot of this is just learned behavior and subconscious. But by continuing to invest psychologically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and even physically, in some cases, you're continuing this post-divorce ABC. Okay, a couple more. Fear of detachment. This kind of fear is going to encompass a lot of different aspects, like the emotional, psychological, practical concerns, really making a barrier to you to move forward after divorce. Another way is the impact on future relationships that this has. So this particular component really delves into how the experiences and emotional trauma from your past relationship continue to affect you and your ability to engage in healthy and fulfilling relationships after divorce. And that doesn't just mean romantic, but it oftentimes for sure impacts. That's why a lot of women are just like, I will never, ever get married. I will never, ever. 
there's so much more resistance from women who are divorced that have experienced betrayal than I've seen in women who have experienced divorce and there hasn't been betrayal. This is where the impact on future relationships really shows up. Okay, co-parenting. Now, I see the complexity showing up here in co-parenting when you have the children that you're trying to to share and co-parent together. And all of a sudden, the way that this co-parent is showing up as a parent post-divorce is completely different than how that parent showed up in the relationship. All of a sudden, they might have an increased interest in parenting and being present and wanting to know all of the information and show up to all of the class baking activities, right? Where that was never even on their radar before the divorce happened. So you have this really starkly contrasted behaviors in how they're engaging post-divorce versus when they were in the relationship. But even then, it's not necessarily sustainable or consistent. And so then you might find yourself second-guessing your boundaries and even being pulled in direction of your children where they're like, that's so great. This is amazing. And so then you start to become more confused as to their post-divorce behavior with the children, which kind of leads to the last key component here, and that's the cohesive control. And so another reason that this post-divorce ABC continues is because you might also still be experiencing this type of abuse. So the cohesive control within the context of post-divorce ABC refers to the ongoing manipulation, intimidation, and psychological tactics that your ex-partner is engaging in even after the divorce. And this pattern of behavior is really about maintaining power and control over you. And therefore it is perpetuating those emotional ties and dependency and keeping you from healing and moving on. So those are the main key components that I've seen define the post-divorce adaptive bonding cycle. Okay, maybe just push pause and take a few deep breaths. If you are relating to these, it can be a lot to take in. And so I just want to push pause here and remind you that you are gaining awareness right now. This is information. And there is nothing that you need to actually do, right? No actions that you need to do with this right now. Okay, that's going to be offered later. Right now, you just want to try these concepts on a little bit more. Just feel it in your body. Try them on. Get curious. Notice if they're filling in the gaps in your body, right, with what you've experienced. Notice if it's giving you a better language to describe what you've been experiencing. So I could honestly go on for another hour about all the ways that I've seen this show up in each component, but that's why I'm almost done with the self-paced course on understanding the post-divorce adaptive bonding cycle. That will be available. I'll have worksheets to really help you walk through this. And definitely help you learn how to heal from this. But for now, can you relate to any of these experiences that I'm going to describe? Okay, now I'm going to go through each of these key components that I just went over. And I want to give you some examples so that you can see, is this how I might be showing up? Now, there's a lot of different ways in each of these components that I've identified. I don't have time to go through all of those. That's what the course is for. But hopefully, as I make this a little bit more relatable, you can better get curious around your own experience in the post-divorce adaptive bonding cycle. Under the attachment to the unresolved, okay, that's where you're just like, you've got all these unresolved issues, 
things still aren't making sense and we're really finding ourselves attached to all of those unresolved things. I really see this show up when you didn't have closure without disclosure. When all of your ex-partner's secret behaviors that cause the endangerment, it can create that cognitive dissonance in your brain. There's going to be unresolved trauma triggers. You're like, why did I just respond to that? Why did my body react that way? Why do I think and feel this way? Because you don't have a cognitive piece to that puzzle. All of those unresolved trauma triggers due to the unresolved emotions that your partner is so cognitively aware of, but you are not. That can keep you attaching. That can keep you continuing to, that can keep you in that cycle. Okay, the emotional complexity. So this attachment might stem from a mix of what was, what felt like positive memories to unresolved trauma and really hoping for closure. You might still be experiencing a mix of all those emotions, anger and sadness and anxiety, and even moments of longing towards your ex-partner. Like the example I gave you when I found out that he was getting remarried, why I felt and my body responded the way that it did confused the hell out of me. I had no idea why I was feeling almost like this longing towards them when really I wanted nothing to do with him. That's the emotional complexity that can happen. Fear of change. This can happen in a couple different ways. Like I've mentioned before, you can find it really difficult to let go of the belief that he can change. And if he does, then it might force you to reevaluate your own identity and decisions. It might make you question, maybe I gave up too early. Maybe I was wrong. And now you're questioning your past perceptions and you're trying to decide if it was really accurate because you might be seeing a change in them post-divorce. But again, there's no really, there's no real way for you to truly know if they have changed because you still don't have all that information. So for example, even though my ex has been with several different partners, there is still this thought that enters my brain of, oh, maybe he's changed. Oh, maybe he's changed. Because there's still missing pieces in my brain, because there's still missing pieces to the puzzle, there is that part of me that is still wondering, maybe you were wrong. Maybe he is changed. Okay, continued investment. This is where you might find ruminating over the past events, dissecting conversations that you had, replaying scenarios in your mind right? And that rumination is going to prevent you from letting go and from moving on. This also continued investment shows up when you have that desire for justice and validation and restitution and repair, right? It's not a bad thing to want. And after divorce, when you're still seeking this out, it's going to lead to that continued investment. You might be hoping that maybe staying connected in some way, maybe trying to still teach, explain, whatever, Somehow this can hold your partner accountable for their actions. I see this show up a lot. I totally can relate to this. But when you try to show up this way, you are continuing to invest in that relationship. Okay, fear of detachment can also show up in ways where if you were emotionally or financially dependent on your ex-partner during the marriage, then that fear of detaching can make you fear that loss of security and stability because you don't believe that you have the ability to create that for yourself. So this makes it hard to have boundaries. This makes it hard to actually move forward and live your life and create your life because you're still investing and attaching and bonding in ways to stay connected because you are afraid of disconnecting in this way. Okay, then the impact on future relationships. 
oh my goodness, I see this show up so much. I could go on and on, but just a few things that might that you might relate to here. This is where you can have a really hard time maintaining healthy boundaries when you have a fear of asserting your needs because you don't want to risk that conflict or rejection because in the relationship, you know where that led. So we're not going to have healthy boundaries in future relationships. Also, due to your past experiences in the marriage, you might start to question the intentions of someone that you are dating or in a new relationship. Even if it's not a dating experience, you're going to question their intentions, wondering, do you have a hidden agenda, right? Is this kindness that you're showing all a facade? I think it was probably still two years after I married Scott that I was to like, all right, are you for real though? Like you're showing up this way, but like, when's it really going to, when are you really going to just like be you? So the impact on future relationships right there. And then a residual effect of betrayal and abuse can lead to diminished of your own self-worth. So now in future relationships, you might start to settle for less because you believe you deserve less. Okay, co-parenting. I see this key component really showing up in a lot of ways around co-parenting, but just a couple here. This is where you might continually be seeking validation from your ex regarding parenting decisions or even being driven by the need for your ex to acknowledge your capability as a parent. All the things that you're doing, you want all of that little validation that you didn't get during the marriage, you're still seeking out now. This can also show up in co-parenting conversations or any interaction when it becomes a source of ongoing rumination. So you might start to replay those conversations around co-parenting in your mind over and over. You're dissecting every aspect of that conversation and you're questioning your own responses and your own emotions and your own parenting style. How many of you have meticulously analyzed every text, message, or email from your ex-partner relating to co-parenting, right? You might read into every single word, trying to discern all the hidden meanings or intentions. And look, I get it. Like when you have experienced betrayal, violence, and your reality has been completely messed with, you've had abusive behaviors and communication to keep you hidden. Of course, your brain is trying to find the hidden meanings and intentions. And when you continue to do this post-divorce, you are staying attached in that cycle. Okay, last one. Again, super complex here, but this covert abuse or coercive control, all of these fear tactics, when they're used to maintain power and control in the relationship, even after the divorce, this can keep you in that post-divorce ABC. So one of the ways that I've seen this show up is using child custody arrangements or financial control over the children to maintain that influence over you. And these tactics are really covert because it can come across like they're trying to help, but it's really about control. This is where you're going to have to check in with your wise femininity and really check your your intuition. Whatever that conversation feels like, it might on paper look like they're being great and helpful, but inside you're going, mm, something doesn't feel quite right here. When you're disconnected from yourself and you're not trusting that intuition, it can really mess with you. And it's hard because when you don't play into these manipulations, if you do assert yourself, call their bluff, now it can go into retaliation. And then what have those consequences been like for you previously? You're going to be afraid that they're still going to happen. This just takes so much intentional thinking and practicing to remind yourself I'm divorced. And my gosh, can I relate to that? So many times I would have to just remind myself, wait a second, 
He doesn't have power over me. I can actually think for myself and be sure in what I'm thinking here about this situation because so many times my trauma parts of where I was abused in that relationship would tell me things like, you know what, you're wrong, he's right, or you're really making too much of a big deal about this. But the truth is, I wasn't, I'm not, and my body knew. So what's the next step, Amy? First, I really want to invite you to stay curious here. I want you to notice all of those key components and how they might be showing up for you. No self-judgment, no shame, stay open. Awareness is half the battle. And so for those who just want to do all the things and be done with this post-divorce ABC crap, be gone, right? It just doesn't work fast. I know, I know, I know. Don't shoot the messenger. Let's start here. There is no rush. The more we can get curious about how this is showing up for you, you really will be able to move into that acceptance and then into agency. A lot of times you want to just go to the doing because you want all of the negative experiences and emotions to go away. But doesn't necessarily mean that all of these negative emotions are going to be neatly tied up in a bow. And then poof, magic, no more negative emotions or patterns. Doesn't work that way. We can take a deep breath and not rush. There is no rush, I promise. We're really going to just come to terms, all the emotional complexity of all of this, find ways to make sense of all of these conflicting feelings, and we're going to take one step at a time towards healing and growth. I gave you a lot of information today. This post-divorce adaptive bonding cycle model that I have created, I think is going to be so beneficial when you can really deep dive into how this might be showing for you so that you can really start breaking these chains, breaking these patterns, and really be free. I know that it's possible. I will let you know when the course is available online. Until then, get curious, stay aware, and practice self-compassion. And remember that you really are the chooser in your life. And no matter what you have experienced, no matter how you've been impacted by someone else's misuse of agency, you can choose to access yours now and choose healing and choose to create a life that you want because you can. Take care. Okay, now, guess what? October 12th, 13th, and 14th. Mark the date. You're going to want to join me for this three-day, okay, three-evening workshop that is about dating from within. I'm going to walk you through specific ways to see more into yourself, date yourself, and see how you might be self-sabotaging for a healthy relationship. Because healthy dating really does start with a healthy you. This is not about me pushing you out there to start the date. So join me, get your spot today. The link will be in the show notes. It really is a fun time, everyone. All right. I will see you soon. Bye.